0: everybody. Welcome to the International Church of Illness. It's great to be with you. It's great to worship together again this Sunday. Our first hymn is a response. It's an exclamation of almost surprise that Jesus is for sinners. The joy that we have as people who fall short continually that Christ is for us. Our first hymn this morning is 3.50. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. If you'd stand and sing, please. sometimes failing even when my heart is breaking storms about me night overtakes me he's with me to the end we can come to him and confess let's do that now friends in Christ let us draw near to God our father with a true heart to confess our sins and ask him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to forgive us most merciful God and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name. Amen. May the Father of all mercies cleanse us from our sins and restore us in his image to the praise and glory of his name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Blessed is the Lord, for he has heard the voice of our prayer. Therefore, shall our heart stand for joy, and in our song, we will praise our God. Today's response of reading comes from Psalm 116, verses 12 through 19. What shall I return to the Lord for all his bounty to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithfulness. I will offer to you a thanksgiving sacrifice and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Our second hymn this morning is Immortal, Invisible, God Only a Wise, hymn number 10. Let's sing, please.
1: chapter 1. A son honors his father and servants their master. If then I am a father, where is the honor due me? And if I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name? You say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food on my altar. And you say, how have we polluted it? by thinking that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals and sacrifice, is that not wrong? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not wrong? Try presenting that to your governor. Will he be pleased with you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts. And now implore the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. The fault is yours. Will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that someone among you would shut the temple doors, so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hands. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name is great among the nations and in every place incense is offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and the food for it may be despised. What a weariness this is, you say, and you sniff at me, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in the flock and vows to give it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is reverenced among the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from Matthew 5, verses 38 to 48. You have heard that it was said eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and takes your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Our sermon reading this morning comes from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-8. through 8. If you'd stand with me as we read, starting in verse 1. First of all, then... I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, There's also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. For this, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May be seated. These passages that, that Jenny read and even the sermon passage that we'll be hearing from today, teaches about perspective. Malachi 1, the priests, are there to serve the Lord. They're there to represent God to the people as mediators. And yet, the perspective is off. The people that we'd expect to have the right perspective and lead the people accordingly have the wrong perspective. Matthew 5, Jesus has to speak to people and say, Don't you understand if you're going to make a change in this world? You can't settle for less. If you really want to be like Christ, you really have to be like Christ to live in a way that is a reflection of God himself, as difficult as that is. In 1 Timothy 2 and in the rest of this letter, Paul is addressing Timothy. And right before this passage in chapter 2, as he ends chapter 1, he says, I'm going to give you some instructions. And these instructions are going to help you fight the fight, hold on to faith, and have a good conscience. To fight the fight to to continue the race, as Paul often speaks about. To hold on to faith and trust and the value of what Christ has done. And to live in a way to where you can sleep at night. And live with yourself. To feel okay about what you've done. If you follow these instructions. And so this, this passage that we're going to be getting into in First Timothy is the beginning of this. First of all, he says, as of primary importance. First of all, the foundation of how you live out this faith that you believe in. He says, requests, prayers... Intercessions, thanksgivings, these are all different forms of prayer, ways of approaching God. The first one here that is translated supplications is it's an urgent need. It's something that you bring to God maybe at the last minute. I need something right now. This is this is really, really important. The prayer may be more general. A wish, a desire. Intercessions are a little bit different. It's going to God on behalf of someone else, not yourself. Thanksgiving is actually praising someone else before God, something that you're thankful for. And notice that he says, May these things be made for everyone, on behalf of every person. He didn't say, On behalf of the people that like you or treat you well. Or are pleasant to be around. But on behalf of everyone. As we just sang, Jesus, what a friend for sinners. The need for Christ is not just among the people that we care about. But the people that are our enemies. The people that are against us. The people that we disagree with. And may even, maybe even hate. Speaking of hatred, verse 2. Kings. And all those in authority, as we look around in the news, so many people that are in positions of power seem incompetent, they seem corrupt, they seem unwilling to do what the people want, or so much so doing what the people want that there isn't proper regulation. At this time, Paul is speaking maybe of the, the king of the Jews, Agrippa one and two, who both served in the time of his life who were puppet kings to Rome. They were traitors. Or maybe even the king of kings at this time, Caesar, who is over Paul and who he is going to have to go and speak to in Rome, in prison, in suffering. He's saying pray for those people, not the people that you voted for. But the people who are over you, not because you support them, but because you know that it is them that is needing God the most as they lead the people. May your request be for those people, even if you're suffering in prison, from the perspective of Paul. Why do we pray for kings? Why do we pray for presidents or prime ministers, or those in authority? He says that we may live, this is verse 2, in a peaceful life, in a godly life. Now you can take this two ways. You pray for kings and those in authorities to have a peaceful life because it's a result of them making it peaceful for you. Or you pray for the kings and those in authority to live a peaceful and godly life because you feel good about yourself because you did so. Now, one may be kind of independent of government. One may be very involved in government. And I think there's kind of some ambiguity here that that leads us to maybe make the decision that it's a little bit of both. That as corrupt as government can be sometimes and as good as it can be sometimes for regulation, we must always remember that our Dare I say, prayer for the government is a reflection of our perspective of God. That even though we might disagree with what's happening in government, that we pray for government and those in authority because we trust that God is ultimately in control and God can use those people who are there. That our godliness and our holiness, this word godliness... Can be translated devotion, our gravitas, our holiness in our lives comes from the perspective that we ha- that we can only have if we're praying for our enemies. So much of Paul's perspective on leadership in Timothy, in his letter to Timothy, is about perspective, but our actions flow out of a perspective that begins with the mind of Christ. And he says this is good verse 3. It pleases God. Or better yet, it's acceptable before him. Now the idea of being before God is that we come to God in a position of humility because he is holy. We ask him for forgiveness. The temple the temple priests go into the temple Hesitantly almost to offer sacrifices because they come before him because they're going to make a request. Which is so important now that we're believers that that Jesus says you can come boldly because before you couldn't come boldly. You if you didn't live up to the law, you had to completely rest on the sacrifice since we know that the sacrifice of Christ is so sure, you and I can approach the temple or the God himself boldly. And he says this is good. This pleases God before him. The way that we live, the way that we think. So many times in the Old Testament and in these passages that we just read in Malachi, the perspective is off. It's service. It's I'm going to do this and this and kind of play to God's what he likes, but it's not necessarily from my heart. It's not necessarily coming from a genuine place. The way that we know that we are pleasing in God's sight, first and foremost, starts with Christ. We're acceptable to God because of Christ. But we know that we are living in line with him, as opposed to these corrupt priests, when we start to do things that we don't actually want to do, like pray for our enemies. When we actually start to live in a way that is reflective of Christ, even if it costs us, that's how we know Paul says, God thinks this is a good thing that we pray for our enemies and those who are in power or all all people. Because he says in verse 4 God wants all men or all mankind, all men and women, to be saved. Do we? Do we want mercy for everyone? In the States right now, it's very, very political. And as you know, if you've ever been around American, Americans, Americans typically emphasize freedom and their ability to choose. Their rights, you could say. I feel this sometimes negatively at, the, at my core, that I, I live this way. I have the rights. And when I have the rights and I express my rights, that is often at the disadvantage of other people. It's to my advantage. Because how dare someone affect me negatively when I have the right to express my rights? And yet, as a Christian, that's completely false. Yes, I have the right to do certain things. But am I willing to give up those rights if it allows someone, maybe an enemy that does not know God, to know God? Do I want all people to come to mercy and forgiveness in Christ? Or do I really want judgment on some people because they're affecting me negatively? This leadership that Paul is talking to Timothy about begins with prayer for all people. It comes with a concern for their salvation. He wants all men to be saved. He wants them all to come to a knowledge of the truth, which is that we all fail. Even if I'm living in a way that I feel good about, I still fail God to the point where I am just as bad as the next person or maybe even the worst person. That is the gospel of Christ. That I have come before God and I have been accepted because of Him. And therefore, I want other people to experience that same grace. See, it's the exact opposite of often how I think. It's a very, very challenging question for me. Do I want all men and women to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth so they can welcome, be welcomed into this church and sit in fellowship with us? Wow. Verse 5, For there's one mediator between God and men. Oftentimes I see Christ as the mediator between God and me instead of the mediator between God and all humanity. The same for me is the same for my enemies. It's the same gospel. It's the same offer. It's the same mercy that's offered through Christ. Christ. The incarnation of Jesus reminds me of his humility and my need for humility. Abandoning his rights as God, as a pure holy being in heaven with no evil around him. Entering into a world on purpose for the sake of his enemies. Dying, living, and suffering. Verse 6 says he gave himself as a ransom. An exchange. His love for his enemies was so great that he exchanged himself from the high position to the low position for all men and women. And Paul says that this is a testimony given at the proper time that Jesus' life was in this particular point in history for a reason. God had in his mysterious wisdom. Put Jesus in the first century, and I have to believe that God put you in this century, in this year, in this city for a reason, all of us. Whether it's for three years as a diplomat or three years as a student or whatever. This testimony that we're speaking of, the gospel, is proper to this time and purpose. And we are appointed, just like Paul in verse 7, as heralds, proclaimers, messengers of this gospel. A herald is someone that would stand on the roof, the town crier that would speak the news that everyone would listen to. It was important information. We too, in this time, especially in this time, are here for a reason. And it's so ridiculous sometimes to speak this way, to love your enemies, to pray for those against you, that Paul says, I'm not lying. <laughs> I know it sounds like I'm speaking through my teeth and I'm just speaking some religious gook, some gibberish to make it sound like I believe what I'm saying, but I'm actually saying what I believe and I'm actually saying what God wants in this world. I'm not lying, as absurd as it sounds. As, as ridiculous as this sounds to the world, I'm not lying. Pray for your enemies. Live out the life of Christ. Suffer if you're willing to suffer because Christ suffered for you. And when we do that, we'll be like Paul. We'll be teachers to the Gentiles. The Gentiles used to be Paul's enemies. Paul is a righteous Jew, if you know the history of Paul, imprisoned people who became Christians. The Gentiles were to be looked down upon. They were unclean. They weren't part of the people of God. They had no right. They weren't circumcised. The, the list goes on and on why they were despised. And that is the same people that God called Paul to teach to, who he now prays for. Who he now is hoping that they come to see the truth. Now, oftentimes you may hear in verse 8, I want all men or all people everywhere to lift up holy hands, that, that this is a message for the church. That Paul is saying that we all should be in unity and raise our hands and worship God together. But I think that this is Paul's perspective about the world. He says, I'm a teacher to the Gentiles because I think he wants everyone in the world to lift up holy hands. In the same way he says in verse 1 and 2 that he's praying for kings and authorities and all people. He wants them to come to the truth that he has seen for himself. He doesn't want to hold it to, him, to his own in a greedily way. He wants them to know the God that he knows. He wants people everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger and without disputing because he knows that he was an angry man. He knew that he disputed with people he hated. And he knows that if it could change him, who he says is the worst of sinners, that it could result in the world resulting in prayer for each other. Without anger, without disputing, without corruption, without power grabs, without inequality, without racism. This is Paul's motivation, you see. Unlike the priests in Malachi 1, exactly like Matthew in 5. Matthew 5, it's not eye for an eye, for tooth for a tooth. It's if someone asks you for your coat, give them your shirt too. Back to the beginning, if we really want instruction on how to live, and I think we want this world to become a better place, we want to fight a good fight, we want to fight a good fight, we want to hold on to our faith, we want to go to sleep with a good conscience, knowing that we did something to help this place. It starts with the hardest message of all, and that is to die to yourself, because Christ died for you. It can sometimes feel like an obligation. Because you're a Christian you have to do this. And what Paul I think is saying is that the more he prays for his enemies the more he comes to love them. He's still against them in belief and in perspective but he generally wants them to be redeemed. The way we fight anger and disputing and corruption is by showing love. By showing the love that Christ showed us, which is oftentimes at our own expense. And the crazy thing that he didn't say here, that I'm going to say I'm not lying when I say this, that it's absurd when I say this, is that this actually can bring you joy when we live this way. It sounds absurd. It sounds sadistic. When we live in a way that oftentimes leads to suffering for the sake of Christ, it brings us joy through Christ, through the Spirit. As you walk into the world after this service, please remember that, Christian. Christ came and ransomed ransomed himself for you when you were his enemy, because he loves you, because you were desperately in need of him, and still are, by the way, all of us. That's how we make a difference. Rest in what he's done for you this week. Remember what Christ has done, that the Spirit of God is in you now because of him that gives you the power to live in a way that is completely absurd to the world. And who knows, maybe because of you, an enemy of God will raise their hands and say a prayer for their enemy, and the chain goes down the line. You can make a difference in the same way Christ did. If we live, if you and I live, in His power. Let's take a minute and reflect on these beautiful texts. Quietly. Would you stand with me? Recite the Apostles' Creed. Let's read together. We believe in God, the Father Almighty creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He ascended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, a holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Father, we thank you for the message that we have preserved here in this text. We thank you for the gospel. And as painful as it is, we pray for those in power who may be against us, may be our enemies who are against us, or even the good politicians, the kings. Congressmen and women, parliaments across the world. God, we pray for our leaders, regardless of our agreement. We pray that you would use them to govern and to bring the right regulations and judgments upon our respective nations. God, we pray that you would move in governments people will be represented properly as close to heaven as we can find. Please do this, Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. We see violence on the internet and on television, God, in the U.S., in the EU, in Nigeria, militants attacking innocent people destruction god you see so many things that are so discouraging and it make it seem like you're not there god we pray that you would move that your power would come down on people like us that live in those places to make a big difference They would live in a sacrificial way. Maybe even giving the ultimate sacrifice of their lives, God. We pray that you would move in this world. Lord, in your mercy. our prayer. Lord Christ, we pray that you would move in Vilnius and in Lithuania. We thank you that the the pandemic and the COVID-19 virus hasn't been... Comparatively destructive here as it has been to other places. We thank you for that protection, God. We pray for local businesses and people who are struggling with income and providing. God, please bless us here. Please use this church and these people and myself in this room to bless other people. And if we don't have hearts, give us hearts of Christ. Give us absurdly loving hearts that we would never think were possible because of your Spirit. Please give us those things. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let's pray together the Lord's prayer as we close our prayers this morning. Together, our Father in heaven, How fitting today you would have think someone planned it. 243 Thine be the glory. The glory comes and goes to Christ our God and Savior. you would stand and sing. 243 Rule in your hearts to which indeed you are all called in one body and be thankful the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God and whatever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father amen go in peace